I'm going to walk you through what we did this week in our lessons. If you can turn in your Bible or your smart whatever device of some kind, whatever you, wherever you have your Bible, turn to Genesis, Genesis 12. We're going to walk you through their journey, but first we've got to start in Genesis. We're ahead of where Pastor was in Genesis, but we're going to look at the first few verses here in Genesis. It's where the Israelite people started. This is the beginning. This is where it all began for them, where God established his people. He called his people, and it started through Abraham, or it was Abram at this point. Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. He's going to make Abram five promises. I will make you into a great nation. That's number one, I will bless you. Second promise, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Abraham is still revered today. Three, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse you. This is still true today, even God's people. Always on the news when I hear this country siding with Israel. This country is not. This still applies. God has said, I will side with those who side with Israel. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curse, curses you, I will curse. That's three. His fourth promise. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. He's referring to Jesus through the line of Abraham, down through David, all the way to Jesus. He's going to bless the world, all of us, through that line that he's establishing through Abram at that time. And then down, you have to skip down to verse 7. <coughs> the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. They were in the land of Canaan at that time. But they were leaving because there was a famine, there was no food. They had to go to Egypt to eat. They had to eat it for food. Joseph, who was, uh, his brothers had sold him. They were going to kill him. They decided to sell him. Ended up in Egypt. Rose to power and was actually the one in charge of all the food of the land for the next seven years of famine that they were going to have. And so they ended up moving their people to Egypt. So God promised them, I'm giving you this land that you're on right now. Turn to Exodus. We're flipping over a couple, just the first chapter of the next book. Exodus chapter 1. <clears throat> it starts out, these are the names of the sons of Israel. who went to Egypt with Jacob, each of his family, and it runs down Joseph's brothers. And then verse 5, the descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph is already in Egypt. So there's 70 plus people that are considered, that God considered his people, the Israelites. But they're now in Egypt. Verse 6, now Joseph and all his brothers in that generation had died. Now if you ever read the Bible, just verse, 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 you're missing things. 430 years passed between verse 5 and verse 6. And you don't read, you don't see that when you're reading it. But they had 70 so in all went to Egypt. Verse 6, they had, that generation had died, but the Israelites were exceeding and exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly. They increased in numbers. They became so numerous, the land was filled with them. And a low estimate would be 2.5 million people. It tells, the Bible will refer to how many men there were. There were 600,000 men with wives. And they low estimate children, and it still comes to 2.5 million people. So they go to Egypt, and now there's 2.5 million of them. And so you can see where they have a, a problem here. They are slaves. 
There was a new king there whom Joseph meant nothing to. Remember, Joseph had a high place in power. Joseph meant nothing to him. He wasn't Egyptian. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have, have become far numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they'll become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they'll join our enemies. They'll fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. This is day one of our study. And I hope the kids are ready. You guys have to participate in this too. This was a hard situation. This might be considered unfair. And ready? When life is unfair, when life is unfair, God is good. And we related that, the leaders related that to them. How is life unfair for, for these little ones? And it's, it's a shame that this group of kids over here understands what anxiety is. And they understand what stress is. They're children. They shouldn't have hardly a care in the world other than my brother took my candy. Yeah, that should be it. You know, but they have bigger cares than that. And life to them is unfair. And I know a lot of the leaders got some different answers. Like, when's life unfair? And we wanted them to understand that when life is unfair, God is still good. We're going to flip over to Exodus 7, go a few more chapters, and we'll hit on day 2. Our second day of VBS. And I'm not going to read these. Now remember, Moses was the one that was asked to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Moses was actually talking to his stepbrother. Because remember, he was floated down the river when they were, they were, they were going to kill all the boys. And then he ended up in Pharaoh's house. He ended up being raised, probably played with Pharaoh. They were probably play buddies. And so that was his stepbrother. So when he went and said, let my people go, he's talking to his stepbrother. And of course he says no, and that's when the plagues begin. And starting in chapter 7, you start to see these plagues. And we don't know whether the Israelites were really affected by the plagues. We know they were not affected by some of them, and some we are not sure. But either way, the, the Israelites were witness to God's great power when he turned the water into blood. And it's the storms, and the cattle died. And then there was locusts, and there was gnats, and there was... There was Plague after plague after plague. And all of those plagues, I find fascinating, all of those plagues were tied into Egyptian gods. The Egyptians worshipped many gods. And every one of those was a, was a shot in the face of a god that somebody in Egypt would have worshipped. So, so I think that's, that's a pretty cool side story from this. But the Israelites are seeing God's power on display. And even if you know God's on your side, it's going to be still a little scary. That's a lot of power. And there are a lot of things that scared them then. And on day two, when life is scary, God is good. and we talked about how life is scary. What scares the little ones? You know, it might be something like a storm or the dark, but it might be something like a relationship or something at home. And you just never know what, what's scaring these kids. And again, I, I pray for them. They, I just want them to just be these innocent children that don't have to see and hear the things of our world, but there's so much out there that they can see and hear that is scary. But, what, but we do know that when life is scary, God is Exodus 14, flip a few more pages or swipe a few more times, go to Exodus 14, we're going to pick it up in verse 11. So the Israelites ended up, Pharaoh let them go, and they... We're coming to the Red Sea, and they noticed that Pharaoh had changed his mind. He's coming after them. And also, 
they're conscious of there's, we're in the wilderness, there's no water, there's no food. And so here we go. As Pharaoh approaches, verse 10, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us here in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? I would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Really? <laughs> That's us not liking change, right? We like our change, we know our situation. They were slaves. And God's offering to rescue them. And they're like, no, leave us. Moses answered the people in verse 13. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Of course, we want to fix everything. We want to grab it. We want to fit. I don't have any food. I, I, don't, I can't control this situation. It's really what it is. I have no control. I have no control. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That's good for us. To know. And on day three, we learned that as all of these, their circumstances are changing and the things that they depended on, we knew where our food was, we knew where our water was, but all those things are changing. Who's leaving us? We're in a different land. We've moved on. And so on day three, when life changes, and we talked about the changes that they might go through in their lives, changing schools, changing friends, my friend's not in this class. My parents, there's a different situation at home. Somebody lost a job. We're in, there's a lot of different situations that they're aware of. And we, we know when the life changes, God is good. We're going to skip day four. We're going to day five. And you're going to turn to Joshua, chapter three. You've got to flip over a couple books. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then Joshua. The people wandered in the wilderness for years. Joshua chapter 3. They wandered and wandered and wandered. They finally got to the land. They have to cross the Jordan River. <clears throat> and if you read through this, you'll find that that was the last step. They crossed into the Jordan River. The priests held the Ark of the Covenant. And when they stepped in the water, the water dried up and all the people crossed on dry land. That's a long time to hold the ark, by the way. That's 2.5 million people. You're like, hurry it on. Let's go. This thing's not light. These are stone tablets. Come on, let's hurry. <laughs> so it was heavy. They, were there. they stood there. 2.5 or more people just crossed into this land. And they crossed into the land of Canaan. Do you remember the promise made to Abram? Way back. This land will be your land. And now it's time. And they go in. And the Israelites were finally in their land. And on this day, and I'm, I'm so glad they put this day in here. Because this day is when life is good. God is good. When life is good, that's, this is the one we forget. We know to go to God when somebody's sick, when somebody's hurting, when things have changed, when things are scary, when life's unfair and everything's just falling apart one thing after another. We know to go to God. But when everything's great, we just kind of forget. Okay, everything's great. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. And we forget that when life is good, God is still good. It's the same God. Good things come from God. And we talked about that, all the good things in life. And then on day four, we skip day four. Because on day four, the whole Old Testament, you'll find, if you follow the Israelites through the rest of the Old Testament, you'll find that there is person after person after person, maybe after God's heart, but fails. 
and fails and fails. We can never measure up. We can never live up to that. To God, Romans 3.23, we all fall short of the glory of God. Now we had, let's see. So if the, old, the whole Old Testament is really setting up Jesus. It's really setting up everybody to know, without a doubt, we cannot do it without Jesus. No work, no deed. David was known as a man after God's own heart, and he fell. We all fall. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the only thing that can rectify that is Jesus. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death. What we earn for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins. That's such an important walkthrough. And they walked through Jesus that night with Leota, and there were many kids, many kids that said, I want that. I want Jesus in my life. And we had a lot of kids turn their lives over that night. That little childlike faith says, I want, I want that. I want Jesus in my life. That's why we, we do what we do. <clears throat> but that's not just for kids. That's available for everyone. If you haven't done that, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to say, God, yes, yes. Read Romans 3.23 and 6.23. Read John 3.16. And I go to 1 John 1, 9 and know that if we confess our sins, He will forgive us our sins, period. You know, why wait? I'm so glad those kids didn't wait. There's so many distractions coming their way. There's so many things that are going to get in the way. I'm so thankful that at this young age they said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. Let's go. And we as a church need to rally around them and help them and pray for them. If you can't volunteer, if you can't help, just pray for them so you might be able to do that. <clears throat> so, through this journey that we've had this week, we've learned what? Life is unfair? When life is scary? And when life changes? And when life is good, so I talk to the kids. They want to do one more song. And we're going to do the song, and they, this is the agreement. They want to, they're going to come up here, we want you to stand up, and we want to see, we want you to join us in this one part when they say, you are good. Did you see when they jumped up and they raised their hands and they're cheering, they're saying, you are good. Let's see if we can get them. Should we get the adults to join us on that part? You think they can do it? Okay, you guys come on up. We're going to do one more song. You guys can stand up. While they're coming up, I'm going to read you some things. It wasn't enough that we just said, that I just didn't want them just to leave with the words that God is good. Because there's a lot of things in life that are good. Tacos are good. Pizza's good. Right? Candy's good. A lot of things are good. So while you guys are up here, I'm going to read some of your answers. Okay? Every class had this paper that says, I know God is good because. Here's some of the childlike faith answers that we've got. They see the things that we forget, but then they also know, know the important things too. Like he makes animals. God is good because he makes animals. He makes sunsets. He makes trees. He makes grass and plants. Water and rain. He makes mountains. He, ma he makes animals and people. He, he's powerful. 
God is good because of my parents. Because of trees and birds and friends. God is good because of the cross. Family. God is good because of my Bible. He gives me my Bible. God is good because Jesus' blood that he shed to pay for our sins. Because when we pray and we can communicate with God, the God that created this world, we can pray and communicate with him. And they realize that, that God is good because of that. Because he made us, because he, because he loves us, because he is the truth. Because he helps us, because he heals us, because he takes care of us. He's always there when we pray. He's made us all different. He gives us water. He gives us medicine. He's, give, he's gifted us to make medicine, technology. He's made earth. He has a plan for us. And God is good because he gave us Jesus.